Luckily, we now have a vaccine, so we don't need to feed our infants poop water. We can just give them the vaccine. So while we're on the topic of chlamydia, right? Yeah, you got to be careful calling the gastroenterologist when you haven't looked at your child's infection. This is also the age where they will start to reach for objects. Hello, fellow tiny human docs. We would like to welcome you to our 15th episode of Peds in a Pod. We're your hosts, Ashley Grigsby. And David Rayburn. And we are both residency trained in emergency medicine and pediatrics. And we are both newly board certified pediatricians. Congrats, David. Congrats to you. And half board certified emergency physicians once we take one more part of that test. We just got to take our oral boards and then boom, we'll be done. And this is our uh, board review podcast that's focused on high-yield review topics for the pediatrics boards. So we follow the outline and study recommendations set forth by the American Board of Pediatrics. We use their content outline for the general pediatrics board exam. This month, we have some great stuff coming for you. We're looking at Hemonk again, focusing on anemias. We will also be settling in for PoopCast 4.0 with Dr. McFerrin covering some GI bleeding. And your hosts will be covering STDs for the ID section this time. We're probably going to focus a little bit more on the neonatal aspects of the STDs, but you'll hear. Milestone uh, Minute is also coming back with um, some more of the guess the age type scenarios. And then we're going to round out with cootie shots. Um, This month, what I'm going to do with cootie shots is actually compile all of the cootie shots into one long cootie shots. This should be helpful when you're studying. What I found when I went to study for boards was how annoying it was to go find all the cootie shots and then try and listen to all of them because they're all spread out through so many um, episodes. So I'm going to put it all together for you in one spot. We'll probably do that for milestones on the next episode as well. Yes. All right. So we did start a tweet of a week. So anybody that follows us has been seeing that on Fridays. Uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Peds in a Pod. Uh, and always, if there's additional content that you want to hear or anything else, feel free to reach out to us. Ashley, I understand there's another big announcement for our listeners. Okay, guys. Are you ready? We've been working on something, and it's a finally happening. Are you ready, David? Super top secret. Let's reveal. Super top secret. Okay. We have decided to start a new website called Peds in a Blog. B-L-O-G. I see what you did there. You see what I, I did there? I see what you did there. So our new website is officially live. It's called pedsinablog.com, and it will have what it sounds like. It will have pediatric blog-style topic review. The idea will be it'll be a little more clinical than our podcast. Our podcast tries to focus a little bit more on boards, and the blog is going to try and hit more clinically relevant type literature reviews and things like that in an easy to read, short but sweet uh, format. Does that sound pretty good? All right. I'm excited. And if anyone wants to, uh, you know, write for our blog or um, submit stuff, just let us know. On the blog, there is um, uh, there's a spot that you can contact us. There's a chatting feature and there's also an email feature and you can subscribe or you can uh, put us on your RSS feed if you have one. That sounds awesome. We're very excited and we will uh, hopefully we'll be making it better and all that all that fun stuff. So always now, trying to make it better for you guys listening. All right, it's time for our case. 
All right, so I'll go ahead and lead in the case. I don't want to make it a spoiler alert, but there is maybe a certain season that's happening right now in pediatrics with the cold weather, not where you are, but where I am, obviously. But I'm going to give you three case presentations of the same diagnosis, but it will kind of show you the spectrum of this diagnosis. All right? Okay. All right. So this actually happened to me on my shift yesterday, the very first three patients. So first patient is a 12-month-old who comes in with copious nasal secretions, increased work of breathing, retractions, decreased feeding, um, and is satting 84%. Second patient is eight months old, uh, breathing 60 times a minute, satting 99%, copious nasal secretions, eating okay, And the third patient is 14 months old, coming in with copious nasal secretions, decreased PO intake, breathing uh, 40-ish a minute, uh, satting like 92%. What do you think is going on? I mean, it sounds like bronchiolitis. I think you're right. It's like all I do all day. I know it doesn't get cold here in Arizona, but like it's all we have right now. They still get bronchiolitis, right? Yeah. Bronchiolitis and flu. That's all I'm doing all the time. Yep. I feel like we did this last a couple episodes ago with flu where we had a a bunch of different presentations of flu, except for they were all the bad things of flu. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's all bronchiolitis, right? And the problem is is we gave three different scenarios that have essentially three different outcomes, right? That first patient is kind of our sickest of the sick with bronchiolitis. They're the ones that they need high flow, most likely. Um, potentially, they're going to need fluids if they're dehydrated and not able to take PO because their respiratory rate's so crazy. And they're likely going to need admission, potentially, to the ICU, right? Depends on your that facility, second, yes. Yeah, so exactly. Depends on your facility's capabilities. That second patient is that... One that's probably going to be okay to go home ultimately, depending on what their work of breathing is. Usually you get them sucked out, see if they'll drink some fluids, watch them for a little bit, see if their respiratory rate calms down. They're probably going to be able to go home, right? I like to send bronchiolitis home. I would it's love to goal. send bronchiolitis home. Yep. And then that, that last one's probably going to be your, your tweener case where you got to kind of assess the parent's comfort, um, see if their work of breathing calms down, um, see where their oxygen level goes. They may be one that you end up having to bring in for OBS. And you um, always wonder what th- day of illness they are, right? Like if that That's kid, huge, right? if that kid's day five, well then maybe I'm going to be more inclined to send them home. Whereas if they're day two, I know they're going to get worse because most kids get worse three to five, day three to five. Exactly. And I think that's an important historical point to kind of assess and see where you are at in the course of illness. And as we know, there's there's nothing really to treat bronchiolitis, right? So it's supportive care. Suck that nose out as much as possible. If you need to put them on some oxygen or high flow nasal cannula, then you got to do it. But otherwise, nebs aren't really going to help. Steroids aren't going to help. 3% is still pretty controversial, and I think for the most part, nobody's really using it at this point, at least where I'm practicing. Are, you, are they doing anything different out west with you? 
No, I completely agree. What I tell everyone, and I actually had had a resident with me a couple of days ago, and we had a lot of cases, and I said, I told her, I said, you know what we do with bronchiolitis? We just kind of stare at it. You stare at it, you suction their nose, and then you stare at some more, and you wait until they get too bad, and then you either put them on high flow or you intubate them. Hopefully not, but that's kind of what you do. There's nothing else that works. Yes. No, absolutely. It is one of those watch and literally watch and wait diagnoses that is so painful for us. We want to do something. Yep. Uh, Only other caveat, none of our patients in this case were the really young ones, but those one to two month olds with bronchiolitis, even if they're pretty well appearing, those are the ones that you kind of got to give yourself pause because there is an associated um, apnea risk with under two months and RSV bronchiolitis. So just keep that in the back of your mind as well. Bronchiolitis, there you go. Uh, should we get started with episode 15? Let's do it, guys. And remember, come to our come to our website, pedsinablog.com. This podcast is focused on providing you with the content relevant for the pediatric board exam. The ideas and information provided by the participants in this podcast may not reflect the academic institutions they are affiliated with and, again, are to be used for education purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be used in the place of clinical judgment or as a diagnostic tool. We also know that there's new literature published daily, but unfortunately the board exam content can lag behind this sometime and not have up-to-date information. We cannot cover everything in this podcast, and it is not all-inclusive, but we do hope that you learn something to help you on your board exam. All right, let's dive into this next episode.